designer is truly understanding the customer experience, uh, getting that qualitative feedback from customers and incorporating that into the process. Things that an AI likely, at least today, uh, I can't just generate content for based on that kind of uh, input. So for content designers kind of coming up in the field right now or, or looking towards it, I really lean into understanding how user research works, understand how to talk to people, uh, use empathy practically and make that part of your process. This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Hey, thanks for joining me. Today, we want to talk about content design. And this is a thing that I've seen more and more pop up. We have content designers. We have content design. We talk about that. And what's always interesting to me is how does that fit in with all the other content stuff? Is it just a new title? Do they actually do different things? Is it a designer that writes content? Are people just making up titles? I don't know. So Colton Cox is on the show today. He is a content designer, by, but that's his profession. So I want to find out what do they do? How can they help us get our content to perform, quite frankly? And do we need one in our company, wherever it is we work or whatever project we're working on? So let's get Colton on the show here to find out. Welcome. How's it going, Christoph? It's going great. And you know what? I, I, I connected with you. I always like to tell people how I connect with everyone that comes on the show. And I connected with you because this content designer thing kept popping up in my feed and Slack groups and all these different places. And I went on LinkedIn and I searched for content designer. And who is one of the first people to show up? Colton Cox. So great job optimizing your profile, but that's how I found you. <laughs> and I always, uh, it's always interesting for me to share those stories when I remember them. So Colton, tell us what, what is a, what is a content designer? What do you do? And, and, um, you know, how does it fit into the overarching, uh, content, um, processes? Awesome. Thanks so much. And good to know that I was, uh, popping up first on your feed. I, I haven't heard that before. So that, that's good to hear that I'm coming up high on the results. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been a content designer for a few years. I was formerly a content strategist. Um, and I, if I had to kind of sum up content design in a sentence or two, it is uh, the person who is responsible for the user experience of a product or a service as it pertains to the information and content that a user will be uh, encountering. Uh, and that they're looking for the best ways to make sure that information is helpful, uh, relevant, and usable and accessible. Uh, so you're kind of looking at the the end-to-end -end user experience. Uh, you're often working with your product teams, with your development teams, uh, and you are quite literally designing uh, the words, the information, um, the, the different kinds of disclosures that happen throughout a product experience to ensure that it's the most usable form of that content for your users. You know, it's interesting uh, what you just described there. I mean, it is, um, it's kind of a mix, right, of, of doing certain pieces of content strategy but what i what i loved about what you just said is 
it drives me crazy when everything is so compartmentalized, right? Like somebody puts together a design without any consideration what should actually go into those boxes, right? And don't get me started on lorem ipsum, uh, the worst copy in the world, quite frankly. Um, and then they then they ship it over to a content writer and say, hey, we need some copy for this box that you know nothing about, and I'm not telling you anything about it, basically. Um, and you know, does it all fit together? Does it make sense? So does a content designer try to wrangle all these things together or, 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 or did I misunderstand that completely? Yeah, you, you hit actually one of my biggest pet peeves, which is lower mipsum, which is sort of the, the default copy that people tend to throw into a design when it's kind of early in its stages before it's gone to development. And it's often the worst way to really try and test out the user experience. But, uh, but to your larger point, yeah, uh, my role is often working with uh, engineers, working with researchers, working with our folks in, in marketing, people who put together uh, brand guidelines. Uh, to understand from the earliest possible stages of thinking about an experience or a product, uh, what are the kinds of experiences people will have? Uh, what are the kinds of, of words or phrases or pieces of information that they're going to encounter across that experience? And how do we make sure that fits with their larger context? Um, if we're building uh, a product for an application developer and they write in a certain set of languages or they have a certain set of expectations, how do we match those expectations? How do we make sure that we're talking in a way that's going to be familiar and usable to them? So it shouldn't just be you put anything into the mix. It really should be rendered back to that end customer, that, that end user. And, you know, honestly, I think a lot of companies do forget about the end user quite often, right? We don't talk to them. We don't uh, even think about what they're, what, they, what they're actually going to be doing, not what they do in my head, which is sometimes vastly different from what they actually do. Um, so a content designer can help with that. Now, when you have a content designer on, on, team, on the team, does that role replace other roles or does it need a team or how, uh, how does that typically look, if, if that makes sense? That's a great question. I mean, in my experience, the content designer is in addition to other content roles in the team. So I work with colleagues who are information developers that work in documentation. Uh, I've worked with marketers, uh, content strategists, and they're all kind of touching different parts of that content ecosystem. Uh, content strategy, for example, they're often the folks who are responsible for figuring out what is the brand voice. Uh, how do we figure out the best content mix so that we can actually uh, move people through a conversion funnel, for example? The decisions made there are going to directly influence some of the decisions that we can make on the design side, which is how do we make sure the things that we're writing and designing fit into that brand voice? Uh, how do we make sure there's a cohesive journey from some of the upper funnel activities through the actual product and service that we're creating and that they're not coming from, you know, one kind of taxonomy or one way of talking about something another thing that's entirely different or, or feels very vanilla, for example. Uh, so it's about making sure that you know, these different roles are communicating, that they each have some level of ownership of a particular part of the experience, uh, but they're often sharing one larger user experience. And the designers probably paying close attention to all those different touch points and just making sure that what they produce uh, fits the kind of larger uh, global view of things. You know, I think the global view of things is kind of an interesting topic, too, because you have to keep that in mind. But sometimes it's very easy to forget about, right, because things change and uh, you're in your own little world, right? And you're working on your own little yeah. thing and it's, it's super easy to forget. 
Um, let's talk briefly about, uh, well, not briefly, however long it takes, I guess, but um, how do you become a content designer? So when you mentioned content strategist earlier, you know, I, in my mind, a good content strategist, everybody has to have, in my opinion, if they do anything with the written word, a basic level of writing skills. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean everybody has to be a perfect SEO writer or a perfect copywriter or whatever. I mean, there's so many different disciplines for writing now, right? It, it's hard to be good at all of them anyways. But I think at the end of the day, you have to have a certain foundation, right, of writing, even if you just communicate internally. What are those foundations for a content designer? Is writing included? Is more, you know, the the customer experience? Is that more important? Or what are like the the top one to four pillars that, that people need to work on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing you might often see, especially if you're just kind of going on LinkedIn and looking up uh, content design uh, roles or jobs is uh, you'll often see it mixed up with uh, UX writing. Uh, UX writing or user experience writing is a massive component of content design, but I think content design is kind of a larger umbrella category that looks at some of the things you just mentioned. Uh, writing skills are a really key component about it, but also being able to uh, conduct or understand uh, user research, uh, being able to uh, look at you know your competitors and understand, well, how are they facilitating these user experiences? How do we differentiate but stay true to our brand voice? So things that actually fit very much in that content strategy bucket uh, kind of translate really well into content design, but there's just a bit of a nuance to it that I think is a little bit different. When I was a content strategist uh, and I was looking at things like our content mix uh, and our use of SEO, I was very uh, kind of audience focused. I was thinking about how do we kind of increase the size of our funnel or increase the, the movement through our funnel. Um, but when I came to think about things like SEO as a content designer, I thought about well, why is someone using a specific search term? What kinds of problems are they encountering that they're actually being led to that search term? Uh, so it's the same set of skills, but I'm kind of channeling it back into, well, how does the larger product experience help to resolve uh, those sets of needs? Uh, how do we make sure that the things that product's telling our users are helping to move them through that journey? Um, so I think content strategy is sort of a natural pathway to content design, but it also involves being really, really focused on the user, uh, really understanding the customer and whenever possible, actually talking to those customers, uh, not just relying on things like the analytics or, or the market view, but actually getting in conversation with people to hear their perspectives and make that part of your flow. And of course, I'm remiss to not mention it in my day job, voxpopme.com. You can do video research, talking to your customers and getting their feedback and their thoughts. So check them out, uh, voxpopme.com. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by them, but why would I mention it, right, at this point in the show? Now, you know, when you talk about talking to customers or talking to the users, what's interesting to me is um, I, I totally buy that. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts um, in addition to video research, of course, um, what are some good ways to to talk to customers and then how do you, or, or users and then how do you bring that back into inside the organization? I mean, from a user experience perspective, I have had so many situations over the years where I know this is not work how consumers do anything, right? But then you bring it back in and somebody has an opinion that they're not going to budge off of. It's not based on any any facts other than their own personal opinion. Uh, so how do you combine those two? 
That's a great question. And I, I can speak from what's worked from my personal experience and, and what I think kind of works well is uh, bring those people into the research conversation. You know, if you're setting up a conversation with a customer uh, or someone who might use the product that you're trying to design for, have them kind of take a fly in the wall backseat so they can actually see some of the discussion that happens or, or have them watch the recordings. So you can see them uh, actually understand why the customer is having a different kind of reaction. Uh, the couple of times I've done this, um, I mean, one time, for example, I asked a set of users to try and go through completing a task only explicitly following the content and information that was provided to them. Um, and I had the, you know, the, the product owner of that product kind of sit in the back and, and sort of observe what was happening. Um, and what they saw was that we had a lot of holes in the kinds of instructions that we provided throughout the user experience. And we realized, oh, like we didn't actually describe this too well, or, oh, you know, we could actually tweak the language here to be a bit more specific about what they have to do. Um, so because they were there for the conversation, but we kind of set the uh, the framing of the meeting such that I was going to help lead it. Um, it wasn't, you know, any kind of combative back and forth. They got to really see uh, some of the problems. And then we, we debriefed afterwards and kind of planned out our, you know, priorities and, and next steps from a design perspective to make sure that, uh, you know, the next time we talked to that customer, they wouldn't have the same kinds of problems. And that's always, I think, a, a big uh, advantage to actually hear from customers, talk to them, ask them questions. Um, and ask them questions at the right time. I mean, I sometimes get asked questions at the wrong time and I don't really have time to answer it. So you don't get an an a good answer, right? That's actually useful. Um, do you think, so sometimes I, I hear the argument, especially in content strategy and maybe more so in content writing, right? Oh, we need specialists in the spe specific area, right? So what some people try to do, they try to put people into these um buckets, I guess, right? If you're a content writer in tech, you can only write about tech. If you're a content writer in finance, you can only write, write about finance. Is content design, and I don't actually agree with that. I think there is an important piece of knowing the subject matter expertise. But I think if you're a good writer, you can learn those areas, right? It's not just because you've written about finance before. It doesn't mean that should be the only area you can write about, um, especially long-term. On content design, do those... Um, different areas, the different industries, do they matter? Or is it basically across once you understand how user experience works, you can do it wherever? It definitely helps to have a sense of the subject area, but I think more in internal conversations and explaining some of your methodologies, explaining some of your thinking than it is actually for working with users. Um, I had a great conversation with Jared Spool. He's, he's a big guy in the UX space um, a, a few months back at a conference. And one thing he mentioned to me was you can't engineer your way to understanding your users' pain points, which I thought was an excellent piece of advice. Um, you, you, even if you're the smartest person in the room, you can't just, you know, pretend like you understand the user pain points without actually talking to them. You can't, you know, be the expert and just know what to do automatically. You have to actually talk to people. Um, so I think that interaction, uh, talking to customers, um, you're not really using technical skills so much as you're using your soft skills. You're, uh, you know, using empathy, you're, you're being an active listener, you're trying to pay close attention to all their contexts, you're kind of connecting the dots for them. 
it doesn't require that you have to be uh, an expert in an industry, uh, you know, whatever products you might be creating. It, it just requires that one, you're a good listener, uh, you're a good writer, and you can kind of respond well to what you're hearing from people and, and take action on that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's internally when you have to work with your, your SMEs, your experts, that I think having that bit of expertise can be super helpful, especially just for getting buy-in. Um, I don't think it's actually quite as necessary on the customer side. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, I remember going into healthcare systems way back in the day and explaining why we're talking and why SEO is important. And then over the, you know, like, and what SEO even is. And then over the years, it shifted and you go in somewhere and, you know, and, and the, the doctor or the department would say, oh, I know what that is. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe not all the, so maybe we'll see the same thing here, right? Things evolve, people understand it. Uh, before I move to the next question, I do want to mention the little, um, thing at the bottom, the rolling headline scroller there, that's a new feature you can check out in restream.io. Restream.io, you get 10% off if you go to restream.io forward slash join forward slash trap. So I'll probably throw that up in a minute so you can see the link. Uh, but I, I love restream to live stream, super easy to use. Um, where do content designers sit in a company? What team are they on? Um, who should they report to? Where does it make sense? And and I know that's a loaded question because even when you look at marketing teams today, every marketing team, it seems, is set up like differently. I mean, I know there's some basics, but in, in general, you know, like, I mean, there's a hundred different ways to set it up. What, um, what have you seen work and, and what should people consider? That's a great question. It's going to look different, obviously, you know, employer to employer. Uh, I think the times that I've seen it work most successfully is when content design is seated in the same organization as other designers. So, you know, partnered with UX designers and visual designers and user researchers, uh, such that they're engaged in all the same conversations. They have the same sets of practices. Um, but like we mentioned earlier, it's important that they have uh, awareness and a sense of context for, you know, who's creating the brand guidelines, um, you know, who's uh, setting up some of the higher level sales experiences and touch points for their users. Uh, and those people might not necessarily be in the design organization, but they should be people that you're interacting with and keeping tabs with because they're going to be part of that larger user experience that you're likely going to be designing for or designing from. Um, but yeah, for me, I think the most successful implementations are usually when content design is a, you know, they have a seat at the table with the other members of that design organization. So it's interesting. And I don't know if I caught, I missed this earlier, but I'm, I'm catching it now. So you keep saying the design organization, which is very interesting. So as a content designer, just to keep people in departments here for a second, is a content designer more on the design side of things or more on the content side of things, or is it truly in the middle if that if that makes sense? Or does it depend on who is in the role? Yeah, it, it'll depend a lot who's in the role. It, it'll depend on the needs of the business. But I think the closer that a content designer sits to the product, I think often that allows them to get a, a stronger sense of the kinds of context they need to be successful in that role. Um, but that said, 
there's they are truly kind of in the middle a little bit because they have to be working with their other content partners who might be sitting at other parts of the user journey because their work is going to influence the work of, of a content designer. Um, so you're going to see this look a little bit different organization to organization, but it, it, the closer you can get a, uh, a content designer to be within the design organization, to be closer to the product, uh, I think that's going to allow them to be more successful and, and to partner well with their other design colleagues. This is very interesting. And, you know, so what I do today is still very similar to what I did early in my career, but I'm definitely not in the same industry, right? I, I went to college to be actually a sports reporter, never actually did that in my professional life ever. Uh, but I, I was a journalist for a while working for a news media company, a TV station and a, and a newspaper. Um, and what I do today I still use the skills I used back then, right? I mean, look, I'm interviewing you. If I'm a journalist or if I'm a podcaster, it makes no difference. It's still the same skill, right? Uh, so I definitely did not go to school for what I'm doing today, even though I use many of the skills, 100%. Um, did you grow up and say, I want to become a content designer and we don't have to go like to age six or something, but was that your goal or you know, or, or how did you end up being a content designer? That's a good question. I, I took a bit of a winding career path out of college. I, I began in book publicity, um, which helped me become uh, a writer who could work really well against deadlines, uh, which I'm sure you can understand as, as a journalist. Uh, went from there into editorial management, went from there into content strategy, and then kind of fell into content design because I'd begun doing some product work when I was a content strategist, and that kind of lent itself well to the design practice. And then from there, uh, really picked up the discipline. Um, but that said, there's, there's likely not going to be much coursework you're going to find on content design as a practice or a discipline. There's plenty for user experience design, for, for user research, but content design is actually a pretty new discipline as it's named. Um, I mean, really, it kind of came about about uh, 10 years ago. I think uh, Sarah Richards, or, or now Sarah Winters, she kind of came up with content design as a craft. Uh, literally wrote the book on content design. That is the resource I always send people to because I think it is the most succinct and clear description of how the role works, um, especially across different organizations. Um, and that was for me kind of one of the best entry points into it as I was moving from strategy to design. Um, but yeah, you're not gonna find many uh, courses or, or, or curriculum on it, but you'll find a bunch of books are now being written on it. Uh, lots of thought leaders and articles in this space. Uh, and definitely Sarah Winter's book is one that I, I can recommend. So check out that book, uh, Sarah Winters. Uh, what's the name of the book again? Uh, it's Content Design. Her name is Richards on this cover, but uh, Content Design. So literally the name of the discipline is the name of the book. Uh, Christina Halverson gave the forward to it, but it's a really excellent entry into the discipline. And of course, Christina has been around the industry for a long time. So certainly, certainly she is uh, a thought leader as well. Um, I always have, I, I don't necessarily like predictions that people just kind of make up, right? You see those predictions posts and everybody says, oh, next year is going to be the year of video, which it's been the year of video, I think, for the last eight years or something like that. Um, but I think there's always a, some time to look forward. So for example, and, you know, when you ask me about podcasting, what do you think, how, how do you think podcasting is going to evolve, Christoph? And I think it's going to become even more immersive than it is now, right? I mean, you and I are in 2D, but at some point we will be, be in the metaverse, 
right? Or something like that. Like, you know, we're going to sit in a room, people can sit around us and it doesn't feel weird. We actually have legs, right? Not like the current metaverse where people don't have legs. But what do you think, um, how do you think content design will evolve? So if somebody is going to school right now, what should they focus on? Or, you know, or, or if they're thinking about, it's not about age, quite frankly, whether they're in school or mid-career or whatever, and they want to kind of build their skills, what are the next things that people need to be aware of or thinking of, in your opinion? I think the big thing, and it's obviously very recent news, but I'm thinking about things like chat GPT and how AI-generated content might start influencing the field a bit. Um, and what I think is likely to happen is that that's going to get overhyped and people are going to assume that, you know, whole roles can be replaced with AI-generated content. And then they're going to quickly find out that that's not actually the case. Um, and that the true differentiator of someone who is a content strategist or a content designer is truly understanding the customer experience, uh, getting that qualitative feedback from customers and incorporating that into the process. Things that an AI likely, at least today, uh, I can't just generate content for based on that kind of uh, input. So for content designers kind of coming up in the field right now or, or looking towards it, I really lean into understanding how user research works, understand how to talk to people, uh, use empathy practically and make that part of your process, because I think those are things that are going to differentiate us in the field and are going to ensure that, you know, we're not going to be replaced by AI bots in the future. What's interesting to me, too, about when we talk about um, any of those job replacing technologies Certainly some of that will happen, um, but, you know, you have to think about how does it fit together? What can it actually do well? And chat GPT, I, I mean, I was, I think it was one of the New York Times podcasts and they had that software write the opening to the podcast and it was not horrible. It was actually pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you also want to be careful, right? Because every time you use it for a podcast, I mean, now you're not as human as you could be because now you're just reading somebody's script. Um, so certainly some of those technologies will work and help, but we still need the human to actually run the strategy to make sure it works. So don't over, as you said, don't overhype it. Don't put too much stock into it. Uh, in the last 20 seconds here or so, Golden, really appreciate you joining me. And tell us, um, how can people connect with you? Where can they reach out if they want to um, stay in touch? Thanks very much, Christoph. Yeah, uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm happy and always looking to start conversations with other you know, practitioners around different companies and different fields. Uh, but yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Apparently, I'm one of the top results for content design, <laughs> which I found out today. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.